Courage to Hope with Tony LaGreca is a show supporting the fight for sobriety against substance abuse and changing the stigma that comes along with it. Tony has been helping families, friends, and loved ones discover recovery services as well as coping skills for over six years following the death of his own son to opioids. Join Tony and his guests each week as they reveal the courage to hope. Here's your host, Tony LaGreca. Thank you, Ben. And this is Tony LaGreca, and the name of this show is Courage to Hope. And tonight we have a distinguished guest. We have Colleen Bertolino. One of the discussions I wanted to have with Colleen, she is a, a coach that coaches parents and, uh, and others who have someone in their life who has got addiction problems or is um, kind of hooked on things. And so Colleen is one that if you're if you have a, a parent, I mean, if you have a child who's addicted, <clears throat> usually that means the family's in turmoil. So we we need the the family needs to have a coach to get through this time. And Colleen, am I given that the correct saying that co- the correct way? Um, yes, I'm actually. It's a long title, and I'll explain it. I'm a certified bomb family. <clears throat> recovery life coach. I'm internationally certified by the ICF as a life coach and I focus in bomb family recovery. And I do work with family members and friends who have loved ones struggling with use disorders, whether it's substance, mental health, and or behavioral. Well, that's an interesting title. Um, Just for people to know, BOM stands for Be a Loving Mirror. And that's and that's just the abbreviation that you see in your title, because otherwise you'd be you'd be uh, going all the way out to the New Hampshire line. Um, so let's say I'm a parent now and I'm having problems with a with a son or a daughter, and and I, I t- I'm trying to focus on my loved one, but if I take my mind off of them, you know, I'm always afraid that they could die if I don't if I'm not hovering over the situation all the time. And I want to set boundaries that work peacefully, but at the same time, I want to have some life of my own. So is how would you start that conversation? That's a loaded conversation. <laughs> we, we, we got and, a few minutes. Yes. And I'm used to it all the time. I've lived it personally and professionally many times. And yes, first, I like to see uh, when I have somebody new, I ask them, please just share with me what's going on. What brought you to this conversation with me? You know, and they usually open up right away. And then once I hear um, what's going on, I ask them, well, what would you like to see different in your life? How would you like things to be different with you, with your loved one? And they usually share right away how they like to see things different. And um then, you know, there, I see many opportunities for either leverage and or boundaries, which they're both a little bit different. And most people, like myself, personally, before I came to the bomb, set a lot of boundaries, which were unhealthy. The boundaries are unhealthy when we're trying to control the other person, trying to manipulate them into getting well, into going into recovery, Maybe there's someone who's struggling with just mental health and they don't want to be active in their recovery or, you know, any treatment that was uh, recommended Um, in a behavioral. They're just not interested in changing their behavior. So there's a lot in there and there's a lot of work to done. If somebody has a crisis, 
and somebody's life is in danger, then I always, um, I have, I'm a trained and certified interventionist too. It's not the forefront of what I do. I would um, refer them to services that would be a quicker fix, a quicker solution. But most of the time, it's working with the family and or friends of a loved one and helping them to see what's actually going on with their loved one, to gain a deeper compassion and empathy. And in the meantime, to help them look at how they're showing up. And most of the time we're showing up the way our loved one is showing up, anxious, um, erratic behavior, uh, moodiness, we can go from yelling and screaming to crying uncontrollably. Um, so we're as unstable as they are, you know, by um, the effect of being in the middle of this toxic situation. So I need to just see where are you? Where do you want to be? How much peace do you have in your life right now with what's going on from zero to 10, 10 being the most peace. Most people are definitely under five, usually one or two. So we work on that. And I share with them that I can definitely help them to change how they're living their life and to have more peace and to learn to tell the truth with love, no judgment, no criticism. And with the best chance of opening up your loved one's mind to consider change in a positive way. So there's a lot of work to be done. I can speed up the work if somebody needs to have, we call them bomb conversations. They're mini interventions. It's a skilled practice. There are skills to learn before you have the conversation. Yet if there's a real time frame of somebody risky of needing to get in treatment, it's not a, quite a 911 emergency, I can speed it up and help script them. And I do help script a lot in the beginning. Yet my goal is to teach and coach family members and friends the ability to do this on their own. So I have workshops that they learn these skills, the 12 principles, the seven steps. And then there's the one year program, which is fabulous because they get a whole community of coaches and peers, family members and friends. And they have a whole year of um, recordings, um, the learning library recordings, over 400 recordings, um, five more live classes a week of learning these principles and steps and guidance from skilled certified coaches. So I am thrilled to offer this to family members and friends because I know the pain. I have three adult sons, two in recovery, and I know the pain and the devastation and the isolation, not knowing what to do, the uncertainty and doubt, confusion, just being confused. And I am so grateful for coming into the bomb and not just being a bomb family member, being a certified bomb coach to help others. Because my goal is to help them focus on the solution and not live in the problem. And that can happen. That can happen. What if somebody tells you they've made <clears throat> fruitless attempts at, you know, to keep a long lasting change and it's just been going nowhere, you know, and people, I know some people, people get discouraged after a while. Yeah. You, know, you have to, how do you, how do you keep them encouraged? 
too. I, I get that. I get that because I've lived, I've been in those spots too. You know, you're, you're living in this um, uncertainty all the time. It's not a linear path. It's up and down. You get really low dips and then you get some hope and then that doesn't last as long or I get that. So I asked them, have you ever tried the bomb? Have you ever been in the bomb? Have you learned these skills? We teach them skills motivational interviewing, we educate them about the stages of change, healthy boundaries versus unhealthy boundaries. And, you know, we, we te I teach them, I teach and I coach them. And then they're also in this supportive community where they're learning more. So that's what I say. Have you tried the bomb? Have you been in the bomb? Have you been working it? Well, you get to explain what that means to be in the bomb. What does that mean? Because that somebody who you I know what it is, but to somebody yes. who's just listening for the first time, explain that. Yes, I will. It's a comprehensive one year family recovery program. And actually starting this year, the bomb is now going to be bomb for the whole family. We are now adding in uh, support and educational groups for loved ones that are the person struggling with substance use and or mental health or behavioral disorders. So what it is, is there are classes and there are recordings to teach you the 12 principles of the bond. These are concepts and skills of learning how to show up in the best way possible, first and foremost, for yourself to learn to get peace back into your life, to get clarity of next steps and decisions to make from a healthy point of view, not from that confusion, that frustration or angry. Most of us come in angry too. And a lot of us might not want to admit that. And a lot of people are very open to admitting it. We can get angry, you know, so it's learning to get calmer, more connected with ourselves and connected with our loved ones. You know, we have uh, something called the seven C's. And one of the C's is we are connected to our loved one on a level that transcends their use disorder. And it's true. We can be connected to them toxically, not at all, be indifferent and separated from them. Some people, you know, we don't believe in tough love to disconnect from the person. Yet we do believe in having healthy, staying connected with healthy boundaries so we can nurture a healthy relationship. And that takes education. So in a nutshell, it's three-part series for the BOMB one-year program. You get support, you get education, and transformation. You experience your own personal transformation. And it's so beautiful when I see family members and friends come to that place of peace, of just knowing and getting it and understanding what's going on with their loved one. Like for myself, I didn't understand. Why did my son keep choosing to use before the bomb? Why, 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 why? You know, he had, he has two children now at the time. He only had one and I didn't get it. And even though I was in recovery myself, 12 step for years for um, substance food, not a, um, a drug or alcohol, but it was still recovery. And I still didn't get my son choosing his, his drug over that. And in the bomb, I got educated and I learned about how the brain gets hijacked, how the brain's frontal precortex can shut down. It's just like a computer shutting down. That's where we have decision-making. That's where we weigh and measure risks. 
That's where we can clearly see what the next healthy step is. And now we're just operating from our survival brain and emotional brain. And those brains have been chemically changed once they cross that line of becoming um, use recreational to dependent to use disorder. And the brain is telling them they need it to survive, just like we need ear to survive. We need water to survive. And once I got that education, I had such a deep understanding of what was going on with my son. The anger just dissipates. And it's what can I do and how can I do it? And that's what I teach people, the bomb way, not just what can you do, how can you do it? You know, step by step. So logistically, just so people understand, this is all done online. Yes. They don't online. Have, they don't, right. There's no school that they go to. There's no office that they have to uh, appear at once a week or anything. This is all done over the over the uh, internet on a, on their device. Yes. So, on film. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of it is recorded. A lot of the classes are recorded. Um, we have group coaching too that's not recorded just to protect the anonymity of the people participating. But yeah, and then my and my workshop I do is on Zoom too. And when I coach people, it's whatever they prefer. Some people prefer just the phone and some people prefer Zoom, whatever they prefer. Okay, so, <clears throat> and then what's the cost factor when somebody does a one-year program? The one-year program um, is... $2,500, that's for four people, and they get the bomb, and they can have three months of coaching with me, private coaching. And the coaching with me can be one person. I've coached up to five people, however many you want. It's up to the um, person that wants to be involved. In, but if you break that down, it's very little compared to what we spend on trying to help them other ways that's unhealthy. Oh yeah. And that stress and, uh, and, yeah. and everything one goes through to try to keep everything normal. Right. That, that's, that's the biggest thing is, um, is how much, how much like when somebody's addicted to opioids and instead of using opioids, the people who are not familiar just say they, they they're a drug, they're, they're a druggie or they're addicted to drugs and, where does the how much of stigma do you have to overcome to get that part resolved in the in the parents' mind as well? <clears throat> you know, the family, because they say, Oh, my brother, my son or my brother is a drug addict, you know, instead of saying he's got substance use disorder, which for you and me sounds a lot better, at least I think it does. Mm -hmm. Um how how do we get over that stigma? You know. This is how I found most people get over when they join my workshop. Oh, and I just wanted to say that you asked about a price. The workshop, I always say it's the best bang for your buck. I have, I do it three times a year. My next one starts January 16th. And I am going to answer your question. Monday, 7 p.m. And that's usually $350 for one person. And if two people are there for the same loved one, it's $450. And I have an early bird special if they sign up by January 9th. It's $2.99 for one person and $3.99 for two. They get a book, they get a workbook. And during the whole 12 weeks, I offer them laser coaching, which is like 15 minute check-ins in between the classes. So I just wanted to answer that. And when you said, how do they get rid of the stigma? Okay. I, I find right away 
when I'm facilitating these workshops and or I, I was teaching classes for the bomb is being a part of this community. Um, in the beginning, again, because it's Zoom, you know, some people don't want to reach out for help. They don't want to go to support meetings because they don't want anybody to see them there. Well, the great thing about this is it's on Zoom. You can shut your video off. You can shut your mic off and be on mute and you can put a different name up. Nobody will know your real name. And in the beginning, you find that some people may be that way. A lot of people in the beginning just open up, but eventually everybody seems to open up and take their video and put it on and unmute and start sharing because they don't feel alone and they can just hear other people speaking their story, maybe not the same details, yet the same feelings, the same emotions, the same challenges of loving someone and seeing them struggle and not get well. So it's a safe place for people to share and it's a safe place for them to not feel any stigma at all. And how do they sign up? What is your website? Or what is your? They can what... sign up through me. I have a website. Um, I actually got it updated. So if they know my old old website, it, if everything is forwarded to the new one, it's recovery practices with an S LLC.com. So again, it's recovery practices with an S LLC. Dot com And on there, um, they can contact me. I can, um, if they're interested in the one-year program, I would enroll them. So they would be connected with me. And um, that means that I can offer them if they want to do the private coaching with me, or they want to just start off and do a little laser coaching. Also the workshop, I have a special page on my website that's workshop and they can register right there. If they just want to talk to me about it, they can call me at 978-335-6340. So they could go on my website or they could email me at Colleen at recoverypracticesllc.com. I know that's a mouthful too. C-O-L-L-E-E-N at recovery practices with the s l l c dot com so i'm happy to talk to someone email somebody whatever you're comfortable with text me if you want to text me a lot of people text and i can share with you more about um in detail and you'll see testimonials i have on my website too um just generally for coaching with me and then for the workshop, the workshop testimonials. And I have a woman, I can't even count how many times she's taken it with me. She just loves it. She takes it over and over. I've had other people take it three times. A few people take it twice. Um, they just love it. They love the support. And every time they take it, even though it's the same material and the same 12 principles, they just said, I've, things come up because they're here and now might be in a different place. So they want to talk about more what's going on now than it did a year ago or two years ago. Well, I find when I watch a movie for the first time, that's an action movie. And then I watch it the second time, I get a whole different perspective of how the movie went. So I think in life, it's the same idea. You can, you can, <clears throat> you're going to hear what you want to hear or you hear what you think you hear. And then you hear, then then you go back and you hear what you really heard. Yes. And so you have a different point of view towards that. Now, what if the loved one <clears throat> doesn't agree that they have a problem? I'm sure you run into that. I mean, oh, yes. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm only taking 10 milligrams of oxycodone. It doesn't matter. And I only take it three times a day <clears throat> and I'm able to go to work and I'm able to do all my other stuff. And, and is it just things like that? Or do you do, are you doing food disorder? Are you doing gambling? Are you doing alcohol? <clears throat> are all of these things covered under this program? Yes, definitely. I actually have a client whose daughter has in treatment now, um, alcohol disorder and food disorder. And I'm actually um, collaborating with her therapists because they gave me a release, which is wonderful when us coaches get to collaborate with therapists because now we're building a team for the family and for the loved one, their daughter, and it's just beautiful. So what happens is um, we get to update each other on the work we're doing. You know, she works with the family too. So, you know, we we get to see what her challenges are and how the family can support her in the best way. And again, I help them with um, skills and practices and perspective. And even at one point, um, there was an opportunity where they wanted to um, set a boundary with her. So that took a couple of times, two or three times to do the boundary. And I invited them to an idea of writing a boundary letter versus just a conversation. And that work um, was done with, you know, helping guide them, yet it's their boundary, it's their choice, it's what they want to do. I don't tell people what to do. I guide them and I bring to light um, ways that are um, communicated that will get best results and um, response from the other person, that there's no judging, blaming, shaming. Anyways, she had so much fear, the mom, and um, I invited her to the idea of having the therapist support the loved one and read the boundary letter. And it ended up she wanted to leave treatment early. And after the boundary letter, she she said she was relieved and she really did want to stay longer. And she was grateful and she thought her parents were being more than fear. So sometimes it's just how to present things to them. Most of them in the beginning don't want treatment. They don't think that they need it. They don't want to go away. They don't want to go to residential. So the work with me is mostly on the family to get the family to see that there is a need for this person to have a higher level of care because the family lives in fear a lot that what they do may make things worse for the loved one. And I get that. And the deepest fear, of course, is that they're going to die that we're going to have this conversation with them and we're going to trigger them to go off the edge and die. And that's usually the bottom line fear. So how do I work with the family? Well, what are you doing now? And is it working? And where are they? Are they getting better or are they getting worse? Most of the time they're getting worse, no matter what efforts the family makes. And, you know, some people, a lot of people like to use the word enable, but I say we're loving them. We're not enabling them and we're loving that we can love them sick or we can love them well. And, you know, my choice is to keep learning and practicing and living how to help other people support them getting well. And usually some people like right away get it. It's like any human nature, Tony, when I work with families and then other families, they have their own process. It takes time for them to see things in a way 
for them to show up differently. They're afraid sometimes to show up differently, even though now they're not afraid to yell and scream and argue with their loved one, but to show up in a vulnerable, honest, caring, loving way and say things that they're concerned about is scary for them. It's like a different way of being. And yet once they do the bomb conversation, this is what I'm talking about, a bomb conversation, a mini intervention, they they just experienced such peace because there was no arguing, there was no yelling. Sometimes we don't say this is a guarantee that your loved one's gonna get well, but it will, if you do the work, you're gonna start to get your life back. You're gonna start to feel more peace. And with that, it will give your loved one the best chance possible. Even I love to quote, may I quote somebody that I love to quote, Deborah J. She wrote it. She's an author of a book. Um, she bought a lot of books, but one of them is No More Letting Go. And she talks about the family members have the most impactful influence over a loved one. Yet, I like to add, they have the most positive influence when they're healthy. We need to get the family members in a healthy state of mind and to learn how to use these skills. You know, if somebody came in to me and was yelling and screaming at me, I don't think I'd hear much of what they're saying. All I would feel is the impact of their angry energy. So when we bring ourselves to people like that, they're not really listening or, or really honoring what we're saying. Yet if we come to them with the same message and we come calmly and clearly, and we have no judgment, then people listen. And it's the same with our loved ones. So it's a skill because there's so much toxic emotion going on. I am there to help support the family members and the, and the friends. And I, that's what I tell them. One woman was in tears and she said, no one ever said, for years she was trying to help her daughter and they just thought she was a helicopter mom who was just hovering too close. and. And there was some of that going on that we, you know, worked on and coached on. There was some of that going on. Yet, when I told her, I'm here for you, I am here for you, she just really had tears and said, I can't believe it. I've been searching for years for someone to help me. And I finally have someone for me to help me help my daughter. And and she was so grateful. And she did my workshop. She did a lot of private coaching and, and her daughter's doing well today. Her daughter's doing well. And that's the gift I get, Tony, you know, they get a gift and I get a gift because it's so rewarding when we know we've helped somebody turn their life around. Yes. <clears throat> Let's get a little specific on something. Let's say somebody is hooked on opioids and they've been hooked for two or three years. And now we know on opioids that the, to get off of them, you're going to get dope sick. So now we have to have some form of medical intervention. Um, do you, how do you feel about, I think they call it um, MAT, um, where, <clears throat> where there's medical, where you're getting a drug to get off a drug. You know, at least I'm trying to think of like suboxidin or something of that nature, you know, to said so you have a protective thing to stop. And 
and I know sometimes a parent would say, well, that's like giving them one drug to see, to keep them off the other drug. What's the difference? You know, do you, do you get into that kind of a scenario where that's going to happen? Cause you, if they're on opioids, they, and they're trying to get them to be clean, there is going to be that period of time where, and for people who don't know what dope sick is, it's basically <clears throat> you're addicted to the drug and the drug controls you. And it's like having the flu times 10, some say times a hundred, but it's a real, you know, try. And the only way you can stop from being dope sick is to go back on the drug. And so how do you, how do you approach that whole thing? Now you're in the early stages with somebody. You know, yeah. again, that's all individual. And I have clients who their loved ones are on the MAT medically assisted treatment, Suboxone, Vivitrol, and there's another one, I forget the name. And um, I just asked them like this, this woman who I'm still coaching her and her husband for their son. Well, how is he doing with it? How is he showing up for life? Is it helping him to function? Is it helping him to work? Is it helping him to socialize and, and be with the family and friends and, and not isolate? Is it helping them or is it hurting them? Is this an issue too? Because yes, that can be misused too. And that could become something that's hurting them, you know, hurting their wellness and their health. So it's all individual. And I know from family members telling me, that I've worked with, with their, their loved one that has medically assisted treatment, that it saved their life. It saved their life. So better to have them alive and functioning and, you know, living in society in a healthier way than taking a chance, you know, playing Russian roulette without it. So I'm not medically trained on it i can't advocate this is the way to go or this not the way to go but yet when people come to me and whether they're um supporting their loved one doing it or not supporting it i would just ask them how are they doing how are they showing up in life is it impacting them negatively or positively and i think i would go that route and it does have okay. to be uh, monitored Right. And then there's another proportion where you might want to get them into detox, especially yeah. if they're, if it's alcohol and drugs. And now yeah. let's talk about fentanyl. Mm -hmm. Fentanyl is definitely the, the, the main killer of people today, as far as it's, it's always been around for a long time. People didn't realize it, but, but from, from what I learned um, with another interviewee that, Fentanyl um, is the drug cartel's new way of reaching their new clients because they were used to be bringing in bales of pot, weed, and now that all these states are making it legal, there's there's no market for that in certain in a lot of parts of the country. So they they started bringing in fentanyl and and working getting people addicted on that side. Um, when and again. Some people say it's extremely dangerous and other people say it's moderately dangerous. So if somebody's how, how do you put how do you put that fear of the of the, the drug that could kill, you know, when you're dealing with that? Are you having anybody that's got knows that their child is doing fentanyl or, or they could be doing a drug that might be illegally added with fentanyl in it and they may not even know it? Yes. 
Um, yeah, I'd like to speak to that. And yes, I have had clients that um, found out their loved ones on fentanyl and actually one devastatingly lost her son. She thought that he was just um, drinking alcohol and smoking marijuana and come to find out he OD'd on fentanyl, opioids, fentanyl. So what happened was, and unfortunately, and she's given me permission to share her story, of course, not saying her name, that I did invite her for a while to, um, quite a while to an intervention, talk to an interventionist, have a consultant or a recovery coach for her son. And she just um, was frozen. I said, we, we really, and I feel this about everyone. A lot of people come to me and say, oh, they just, you know, they think they're just drinking or just marijuana. Well, fentanyl is being put in marijuana, street marijuana now. It's being put in cocaine. It's being put in pills. It's being sold over the internet. Young kids are getting it from TikTok and they're buying these pills online and getting them delivered to their house and they have fentanyl in them without the without their knowledge. Some people have the knowledge they're taking fentanyl, some don't. And there's young people dying. And this client of mine, I said, we need to get them drug tested. You know, we need to get them to see a professional and get drug tested in a treatment center or an interventionist. And, and to this day, she lost her son a couple of years ago. And to this day, she every time I talk to her, because we still stay connected, she said, I don't know why I was so afraid. I don't, And I even invited to go with her to the intervention, so do a phone call. So I can usually tell when maybe, maybe there's something more going on than the parent believes. So um, it's scary. It's scary. So... I say, look at their behavior. Like her son wasn't able to hold a job. He was just living at home. He was isolating. He wasn't um, engaging in a healthy way with family. You know, so even if you think they're just having a couple of beers, even a couple, not even a lot and nothing else, it look at how they're behaving. Are they showing up in a healthy way? And I don't, I, I mean, not just physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, family, social wise, and really look at that. That's what really are the key things to look at. And I have another woman whose daughter is um, on all prescription drugs, a lot of them. And they're prescribed, of course, by a virtual doctor, which I I keep inviting her that it's important for this, for your daughter to see a doctor in person and do blood tests and get, you know, and she's drinking and um, what's the, you know, it, and she's, a, I don't understand it. She's taken and prescribed. I do think she's overprescribed, but I said, look at how she's behaving. This young woman can't even show up for her two toddlers. She's sleeping a lot and everybody's, pinching in and watching them and now they're sending the kids to daycare and the two grandmothers are watching them and it's just everybody's adapting to this young woman's yeah. use disorder in an unhealthy way so now we're at the point where she is talking to an interventionist and is um, on the road to intervening and doing bomb conversations so it's individual for everyone and we don't know what she's doing that's what I said we don't know if she's doing something more we don't know. Even though it's all prescribed, she might be doing something else besides prescribed. We really never know until they're drug tested, until a professional comes in and we can get a clear picture of what's going on and how to help them. 
I mean, the doctor who's prescribing whatever she's getting, if it's an opioid, might be getting kickbacks and not definitely having any any interest in the person they're prescribing them to to getting any better because that that's not the way they get their money. Right. You know, and I don't there's, think there's so many so many things that I feel that are wrong with that. Yes. That, uh, yes. Especially if it's narcotics that they're prescribing, I think that should be yes. something totally different that should be only done in right. person. Right. Right. Right, exactly. And I'm I'm not sure I know her medications. I don't believe any of them are opioids yet. There's a mix of some strong ones that are definitely in the class that they're addictive. So um, it's just helping people because when you're in the middle of it and you're always trying to rescue them, you know, or um, get them out of, it's like you're putting Band-Aid after Band-Aid on. And, you know, it's really getting to the deep-rooted issue. Whatever they're taking, whatever you think they're taking, how are they showing up for life? If they, they can't even show up to take care of their own children, that's an issue. Even if they're saying they're taking nothing, that's an issue. That's like someone needs some higher level of care. Yeah, that's dangerous because the person, the children are in danger, especially if it's a, if she's like that way at nighttime and who knows if there's a house fire or something and she's not capable of having an adult point of view of making sure that everybody's out of the house and making sure everybody's up and, and she yeah. can't even wake herself up. Yeah. That's a real problem. I won't yeah. we'll get into my personal feelings on that one. It's time for DCF to get involved as much as I hate them. That's because you, then your grandparents can legally can legally adopt one of the kids yeah. and take 100 yeah. percent care of them. Well, in this case, the children are never left alone. They're always with a, um, the other parent or grandparents or a babysitter or daycare because everybody's adapted around uh, taking that responsibility on. So, yes, if there's a child in danger, then I myself too talk to them about that. That. Um, I'm a mandatory mandatory reporter, and if some if a child is really unsafe and in a risky, life risky um, situation, then I need to report it. Yet in this situation, they've all rallied around and made sure the kids are taken care of. But the one person that's the problem, everybody is. It's like the, um, it's like the sick. The sick is leading the tribe. Yes. Everybody's doing, yes. they're all doing the, with the sick person, you know, instead of taking care of the sick person, they're all becoming sick. Yes, you know, that's what happens. They're, they're all in the circle because we, I don't know why they don't want to upset the apple cart or something. But uh, yeah. as you say, you've got to have an interventionist on that one. Yes. And now that's in the works. So um, every situation is so different and individual yet there's a lot of similarities you know that people go through the denial just like their loved ones in denial family members can be in denial just like their loved one can be ambivalent not sure maybe they have a problem maybe they should do something but they don't really want to family members can be ambivalent they can be in that kind of mindset i don't well yeah maybe it's not that bad and you know that's why my workshops and the one-year bomb are what helps people get educated. What's going on with your loved one? How are they showing up? You know, what are the things that you're curious about or you're not sure about or just don't make sense? 
you know, and, and we have tools and skills to teach people to get really clear about what's going on with their loved one, individually, their own loved one, not in general. No, it's not a, a blanket thing that everybody's the same. It's, well, how do they usually behave in this situation? How are they behaving now? And it's getting very specific with their loved one. So when somebody joins in, I'm sure it varies quite a bit. How long in the process do we are we focusing on the solution and not the problem? Oh, is that, so do you get to that right away or does it take oh, two or three episodes right. before? Right away. I have them focus right away on the solution. You know, okay, you've been living in the problem for a while now, sometimes a very long while, and now we're going to start right now focusing on the solution. And we continue to focus on the solution. You know, and, and my on the other side, I've been involved with some grief groups and these parents who have lost a child. And I noticed that, especially if the child was addicted for 10 years or so, that the parent is actually lived their life around the around the addicted individual. So they when the then that individual passes on, they have a real hard time adjusting to life without that person that they, that's been addicted. Mm -hmm. It's not that not only do they lose that person, but they also lose their uh, does it get to a point where sometimes they feel important because they're they're helping the, the sick one maintain where they are and not getting them any worse, you know, like these two mothers, grandmothers you're talking about. I mean, after two or three years of doing that, that becomes their way of life. Yes. And then they have to make a readjustment when that's over. And sometimes they don't want to go to that next level to get to the readjustment stage. Mm -hmm. and you find that in your, in your, with all the people you've worked with, that that becomes a problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I actually had a family I was working with months ago. And they said that to me. Actually, the daughter was getting better. They were getting better. They were getting calmer, more peaceful, clearer, knowing how to um, have conversations with her. And they said they almost feel uncomfortable or like something's not happening that should be happening because they were so used to the chaos and they were so used to the toxicity and now things were quieter and calmer and more stable and they didn't lose their loved one and it was un almost uncomfortable for them and they had to get used to the peacefulness yeah i'm used to i'm used to hysteria i can't handle this calmness you know <laughs> they probably get anxiety from being too calm you know <laughs> I'm laughing not only because I've lived it myself. Like, I don't know, is, is this how I'm supposed to be or should something else be happening? You, you do. And it's such a gift when you really get used to it and love it and live it more peaceful. I mean, none of us can be peaceful 24-7. Yet showing up for somebody who's really struggling and suffering, you know, they need someone in their life who's clear and strong and steady and can tell them the truth in a loving, caring, non-judgmental way. 
And that sometimes people get it right away, Tony. I have clients that get it instantly. And sometimes it takes a while for that family member or friend to get it and practice it because they keep going back to their anger. They keep going back to their doubt or their fear. And we need to work on that. You know, what is the root? What is the root of your doubt? What is underneath that fear? What's going on? Well, again, sometimes the fear of being normal is is one of the fears mm-hmm. that, you know, they, they're going to, they're so set in their ways now with all the problems that they've been, now they're used to it. And they're like, whoa, I, I don't know if I could cope without it, you know. You know, I did a course. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. No, good. You, you're on. I just got, uh, I'm, I'm always learning and training. I love learning and training and uh, bringing more of what I get for this learning to bring to my clients. And I did an ICF relationship coach training last fall that had a uh, focus in domestic violent relationships. And a lot of the training was um, learning, you know, conflict resolution is healthy. And that's what we're talking about now when there's a conflict, maybe your loved one's living their life in a way that you feel is um, unsafe or dangerous. And we love them and it impacts us in a way if we have unhealthy relationships with them. And there's a conflict there. So how do you resolve it? Well, a lot of it is, as you said, they're not used to living normal because when they were brought up in their household, conflict resolution might have been yelling, screaming, hitting, throwing things. And that's the environment they grew up in. So that's almost like their comfort zone. So even family members who are now adults and living more of a healthier life or a wellness can kind of have that default where they go back to the yelling, screaming, or unhealthy conflict resolution. So um, I help people with that too. When we learn how to resolve things that are conflicted in a healthy way, because there's always conflict in life, whether it's with our work, with our family, with our loved ones, you know, with associates, acquaintances, there's always conflict in life. And it's how can we show up in a different way and communicate in a different way to resolve something. And sometimes we, there are those times, there's this one coach, she's a beautiful bomb coach. She's one of my colleagues. And her daughter is still actively using, yet as we say in the bomb, there's no guarantee, yet she's connected to her now. She has a beautiful relationship with her. They can talk calmly and clearly. And of course, she still hopes that someday her daughter stops using. Yet for now, she has a connection with her. And she's at peace with the daughter. And she's not criticizing her. And um, so sometimes it can be that, just getting the connection again with your loved one. And then if we don't have a connection with them, we're not going to have a chance to influence them. So if we're yelling and screaming and they don't want to talk to us, they don't want to hear us and they're just separated from us, we're not going to be able to influence them. I'll give them an opportunity to look at things in a different way. That's a very good point. Um, Let's go back and tell people how we get a hold of you. Give us your phone number, give us your website, give us your email address and give them a second while they go get their pen or pencil and their piece of paper. Because I know you said it earlier, but 
Yes. And, yeah. You know, I just want to say something where they're getting their pen and paper just because um, I know we're getting close to top of the hour here. But just to give people an insight, I usually do this in the beginning and, and we just got right into a different direction, which I'm very happy with everything we talked about and shared with our audience. But I am a mom of three adult sons, two are in recovery. <clears throat> Not uh, Thank God today they're doing well. And I had a, a long road with one of them for many years, 25 plus years. My other son has been a few years and they're both in recovery, diving deep into their recovery and doing well. So um, I just want to say that because I personally have walked the walk and continue, even when your loved ones are doing well, there can still be that stuff that triggers us to get anxious or nervous or worried or confused and that's why I continue not only to be a coach, yet to even immerse myself in more support and recovery. So I just like to share that to let people know I don't I not only have professional experience, I also have personal. So how can they get a hold of me? Um, you can get me on my website, which is recovery practices with an S LLC dot com. My email is my first name, Colleen, C-O-L-L-E-E-N, at recovery practices with an S, LLC.com. My phone number is 978-335-6340. I have a workshop again coming up January 16th. It's 12 weeks. I have free workshops every month. My next one will be February the 8th. So, um, and I also have a newsletter. If you go on my website, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's free. I have free events and resources and also um, other events such as my 12-week workshop. I send out tips. And <clears throat> usually when my workshop's coming up, my 12-week one, which is three times a year, you might get a few extra emails that month, but normally it's just one email a month, once in a while too. But again, it's all good stuff to help those out there who feel like they need a little extra help getting through your circumstances and your situation with yourself and your loved one. Well, I know a few people who listen to our show and they have never done anything actually other than worry and be upset and go through the whole process, but they have they kind of feel like their life is crazy and they haven't got the time, but this is something that they, they need to become the priority for 2023 and make the time. And by the way, when you say you do all these things, what time of day is the, is the event on so that they. Mm -hmm. It's 7 PM Mondays and that the 12 week workshop are on Mondays, 7 PM Eastern time. And my, workshops that I do the free webinar workshops monthly are 7 p.m. on Wednesdays and if you sign up for the newsletter you can get um, those um, and I try to post on FaceTime and Instagram now the coaching I do um, usually Monday through Friday if somebody's in a crisis I'm available for them over the weekend and I coach as early as eight in the morning until like 7 38 at night um, so I'm available. That's flexible. I usually can accommodate somebody's schedule. I even coach people out on the West Coast because I coach people from all over the U.S. I do it by 
Zoom our phone. Yeah, I was going to say, because a lot of people who are listening right now are streaming us from outside of Massachusetts. So it's important that they know that they can get a hold of you and you know and get the same services as if you live down the street. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a problem. And um, so you've really, you know, we interviewed you one other time, and I know we focus more on the, the whole bomb philosophy today. And I think this is where we're at now. We got to get the people who who are uncertain of what to do. And I know there's a few listening who I need to encourage them to give you a call and get, get on the, um, go to the website and take the time and you'll make the time for them. I'm sure. So, um, and every cent you spend will be well worth the money because um, I'm on the other end and I didn't have a bomb philosophy or coach when I, was dealing with my son and I can tell you that the other side is 10 times worse or a hundred times worse. So you need to take the time and um, give Colleen a call and, and get started. You know, that's the key. you got to get started in January, new year's this good time to get started. Yes. And Colleen, yes. is there anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to respond to? You know, I love everything you asked me. Oh, good. <laughs> and what, what, what is it that maybe um, I, I'm going to try to think on my feet right here, Tony, is uh, why do we keep doing what we're doing? You know, you and me, you know, I just feel it is a calling. I feel like I was called to this and there's nothing greater I get of fulfillment than when I see a family shift and They start to transform in a positive way and they show up for their loved one in a different positive way and their loved one starts to open up to change in a positive way. So that's why I keep doing it. It's just the greatest gift. Well, I appreciate that. And that's why I appreciate you. And as I said, I'm on the other end. My son passed away. And I do keep doing this because I don't want any more parents to go through what I've gone through. Um, And if we can save one, two, three, you know, that's making sure that my son's death wasn't in vain. And that's one of the reasons why I do the show. And I'm sure people can figure that out by now that have listened to more than one or two of the shows. Well, thank you, Tony, for what you do and all that you are. Thank you. So if you're listening to the show and you know that you have a friend or a relative who really should have been listening that um, didn't know about the show or anything, this will be a podcast and you can go on to WMEXBoston.com and it'll be up on the as a podcast and they can go on and listen to it at any time on WMEXBoston.com or WMEX1510AM, either one. So this is Tony LaGreca, and we're thanking Colleen Bertolino. Thank you for all the time and all the hard work that you do. And this is Tony LaGreca, and this is The Courage to Hope. And you can find that Colleen has definitely had the courage, and she brings hope to a lot of people. So she's a true, true person to the name of the show. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tony.